Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The 11 to 1 show. The front door versus the back door in Ireland. One comedian's observation prompts interesting discussion. More after Wham! Wham! I'm your man on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. You can get in touch 086 1800 658. Scrolling through Instagram last night and I came across a very funny post by comedian Bernard O'Shea. He was posting about the front door versus the back door in Ireland, which prompted many comments and discussion and everything else online. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is probably a very rural thing primarily, right? But I haven't seen an awful lot of it going on in towns. But I have seen this. Why is it that nobody, unless maybe you're the TV licence inspector or somebody collecting for charity, I'm going to say, nobody uses the front door. Everybody goes in the back door. I don't know what this is. It's definitely a a rural thing, right? But this is basically Bernard O'Shea last night on Instagram making this observation. Here he is. This is the front door of a typical Irish home, which gives rise to the popular Irish expression, Jesus Christ, there's somebody at the front door. This door is never, ever used, right? However, I'll show you the back door. This is the back door, which everybody comes through. The French Foreign Legion could come through the back door of an Irish house and go, ah, well, they must be okay. They've come through the back. They know us, right? Why don't we put our back doors to the front? (laughs) This is so true. They could, it could be the president and he's coming in the back door and you're going, grand, no bother. What is this all about? Now, I noticed this in my grandmother's house in Cork, right? So she has, uh, she had this uh, huge house in the countryside and in all my years of going down to visit, I think maybe one time someone came to the front door and the commotion in the house. Who on earth is at the front door? I had no idea that my nana even had a hall. I was like, What's this cool little room? (laughs) They had to unblock the door which led from the sitting room into the hall to try and get to the front door. By the time they'd even gotten to the front door, I'd say the person was probably gone down the path going, oh, there's no one home. Uh, I said this as well to my um, husband last night and he also, again, kind of the nana who lived in the countryside, he says... um, 
he discovered his nana had a hall and he was like, what's this cold, slightly damp room that nobody uses? They even tried to open his nana's front door once and it stuck because it hadn't been open in years. So is this a thing in your house? Do people only ever come through the back door? Like it could be somebody you've never met, but if they came round the back, you'd be like, all right, come on in, have a cup of tea there. What's the story? Do anyone, do we use our front doors? Is this a rural thing? Or is this happening in, you know, the, the towns as well? I'd love to know. Let me know. Do people come only into your house via the back door? Let me know. 86 Adele, hello. I want to say hello and a big happy birthday to a very special person today. Want to wish uh, Anne Smith in Ballsgrove happy 83rd birthday today. This is coming in on 086-1800-658 with lots of love from your husband Paddy, daughter Caroline, grandsons Jamie and Jason, Leanne as well, her son Patrick, uh, daughter-in-law Jackie, grandchildren Andrew, um, Jordan and great-grandson Anderson. So lots of people wishing you and Smith a very, very happy birthday today. Hope you're having a fabulous day. Also want to say... A, a big thank you to all of those involved in putting up the Christmas tree lights in Drogheda this year. It was a wonderful display, gives a lovely spiritual feeling. It's the best display to date, coming in from a very appreciative Drogheda. Thank you so much for that. Also, another listener uh, texting and, and ringing in just to remind us about you know that scam that's going around. Mom, you get a message on your phone saying, "Mom, I've no credit. Can you ring me and uh, help me?" This kind of thing, uh, but it's from an unknown number or whatever. So just be warned about that as well. Thanks for reminding us on that one. Lots of scams going around. Absolutely. And now lots of you getting in touch about the front door versus the back door. Going to get to some of those messages and I've got Lewis Capaldi on the way. The 11 to 1 show. Oh mother of God, who's that at the front door? Oh my God. Why is someone coming in this way? This is what we're talking about on the show this morning. The front door versus the back door. Do you use the front door in your house? Or does everyone just come in the back door? Is this an Irish thing? Only strangers coming in the front door, says Bernadette on 086-1800-658. Always the back door in my house. We had this growing up. Everyone came around the back door, except the priest, says Deirdre. Right, okay. The priest was sort of seen as it was very important, I suppose, as well. Uh, there was a level of mistrust about who was at the front door or panic, uh, <laughs> says uh, another message in our house growing up. Uh, yeah, the panic, isn't it? Oh, God. Well, well, who's got the door? Yeah, yeah. Uh, never used the front door. I think it was unlocked for about six months and nobody noticed, said Kevin. Oh, my God. Kevin, that is crazy. Sinead, we don't use the front door. We have to look for the key any time someone calls. We live in a very rural area. If I'm expecting a delivery, I put a notice on the front door for the delivery driver to come round the back. Most people around here are the same. We are farmers and keep the dirty boots only coming in the back door, says Anya and Karen Ross. Okay, I've gotten to the crux of maybe why it's the back door situation in rural areas. You're keeping the dirt kind of round the back. Okay, the good carpet in the hall. I see what you're saying. You don't want that to get uh, mucky on the way in. Also in the same kind of vein, everyone we know comes to our back door. If someone comes to the front door, no one inside wants to answer it unless they're expecting a parcel. 
if it's a, not a parcel, it's some kind of hassle. We all, we often can't find the key for the front door, says, uh, who's this coming in from? Claire as well. This is so, I was expecting like maybe one or two messages, but there's quite a few here for people who only use the back door in your house. Keep them coming. 086 1800 Walking on cars with speeding cars. Now, just before Christmas, Anton Art Centre made a big announcement that they would be producing a big production of a play that has been hugely successful on the international stage. Belfast Girls is having its Irish premiere in Dundalk. I am very excited about this. It's happening at the end of the month. I'm going to be chatting to writer Jackie McCarrick after these. The 11 to 1 show. It is a play that has been hugely successful on the international stage but has never been performed here in Ireland and that's about to change. It's set in 1850 Belfast Girls. It tells the story of five fierce young women who face their dark pasts on a ship bound for Australia as they leave Belfast in search of a better life. Written by the extremely talented award-winning Dundalk native Jackie McCarrick, this play has picked up accolades and has been astounding audiences around the world and I'm delighted to have Jackie in studio with me now. You are so welcome. How are you getting on? I'm getting on very well, Sinead, and thanks so much for having me here. It's great to be here. Great to have you on the show. Now, I cannot believe that this play that is performed so, so well internationally Mm -hmm. has never premiered in Ireland. How are you feeling about this? Because not just in Ireland, but in your hometown of Dundalk, it's having its premiere. Yeah, naturally, I suppose there's a bit of pressure you feel. You want the people, you know, you sort of grew up with to like it, but... Um, so there's a natural sense of pressure, but I'm also really glad and I'm very excited. Um, and in a way that I suppose there's a sense of it coming home because there's one of the characters in Belfast Girls is from Laos, this from Cooley. Um, and there will be, there'll be phrases and, and references to places in the play that people will, will know in this area that maybe they didn't know when it was on in different countries in the world you know so there's that element so it's very there's a connection to this place and this part of the world that is gives it a sense of coming home I think and that's something that is kind of a common theme in your work as well because you do have a lot of you know the northeast and borders and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing weave through your work is that really important to you yeah, I think I think it is. I mean, apart from I mean, my last um, collection of short stories, the scattering, was very sort of concerned with the border, life on the border, um, and then maybe more metaphorical borders as well. But I just find borders themselves very interesting. You know, I just it's neither one place nor the next. I mean, that's if you sort of pull out from being on the border in in Dundalk or. Or in Ireland, you're sort of. It is very interesting. You're on one side; it's one culture, and the other, it's not. It's a different culture. In another way, um, I also, you know, I like the idea of no borders. So um, there's that too. But I find borders interesting, and the fact that I suppose I came to Ireland, um, age twelve, from a very, you know, grew up in in London until then, and so this is. I arrive in 1970s Dundalk kind of thing and it was very, very different. So that sense of um, two cultures, I suppose, has impacted my imagination a little bit as well. But I am very, very fascinated by where I live. I think this is a very interesting area. 
Oh, it really is. And yeah. what, what was that like? Because you, you're 12, you're on the cusp of kind of a teenager coming from the, the hustle and bustle of London to Dundalk. What was that like? Um, I've written about this before. It was a real culture shock for me. I mean, maybe the younger members of my family were um, sort of acclimatised in a, you know, better than I did. But I mean, I'd seen people with pink hair in London, you know, as punk. And then I come to um, Dundalk and the priest is walking down the street and people are sort of, you know, bowing their heads and he's in black from head to toe. That's all different now, of course. But then that was a massive shock. Um, I felt Dundalk then, whilst I thought it was really interesting and I, after a while, really came to love living there. At first I thought, where is this? You know, it was quite a shock. So, um, yeah, it was a shock. But, I mean, you know, that's all, you know, grist for the mill and good for your imagination and good for subjects for stories and writing as well. So. You know, you have to look at the positive. Oh, totally, totally. And you mentioned punk there and pink hair. And I have to bring in your illustrious music career because this is quite fascinating. You were part of a band. Actually, they were the first electronic Mm. band Mm. in Ireland in the 80s called Choice. You were even on television and everything. Yeah, we, um, I mean, I I was still at school, still a kid. Um, We won uh, a there was a program called Young Line and we won um, Young Line uh, band, new band of the year. And then we did Trinity College band of the year and won that. We just took it in our stride. We were young um, and this was a new sound. Uh, we had, I think we got the first synthesizers in Dundalk and all this kind of thing. So it was very electronic. Um, and then in 2012, 2011 might be, um, uh, there's a chap called Darren McCreesh who's, now the director of um, the Patrick Kavanagh uh, Centre in oh, Monaghan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren was then curating an album of um, elect- Irish electronica and he was looking for one last track for this album, which was called Strange Passion, and uh, got in touch with Dougie, who's a member of the band. Dougie does a, a, a website now called Brand New Retro um, and heard some choice tracks on that on that website and thought there's the track that the last track that Amazing. I need for the album so in fact we did get on an album but many years later in 2012 oh, I love that and you were the I'm briefly woman. reformed oh fantastic <laughs> yeah. so you were the front woman of this band so was there always kind of creativity like you mean you had the music uh, you had the writing was that always kind of part of your, your life growing up oh yeah of course I mean you know I just had these these ideas in your head and I thought you know bands um, I want to be a poet I want to be an artist I want to be in a band I want to write music and go to London and I actually did do that went to London and then was a music journalist so I did do that Um, but yeah I had all this idea that I mean now music perhaps is not um, you know sort of for some people, I suppose you could say it's you're still you can still be a bit of a poet and be mm. a musician, but then it really was. I think punk really embraced the idea of um, uh, music being an art form and uh, having connections to poetry and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I I found lots of overlaps and I was totally in love with that and it just set me on my sort of course to where I am now. Yes, and it's like because <gasps> I I was in an all girl. 
uh, bands. Oh, good. Nothing, nothing like Choice and not didn't reach anywhere near the, the fantastic heights that Choice oh, reached. But yeah. there's something kind of rebellious about it, isn't there? Yeah. And there's something about kind of finding yourself in that world of, of music and kind of being loud and, and kind of being out there, isn't it? Yeah. And the thing is, I wasn't loud. I was very, very reserved. So it's probably a lot of people would have thought. And you'll find that in the arts as well. Mm. A lot of sort of more introverted people are actually fronting bands or, you know, um, doing artistic things. Uh, Yeah, I think it is a way, and when you say it, it sort of, yeah, makes sense. It's like you're um, maybe finding your voice and Mm. your your path early, Yeah, you know. And and I did, I suppose. I never really left the interests that I have then. I'm still quite interested in, in those subjects, those vibes, those sensibilities, you know. Absolutely. And, and, you know, tackling difficult subject matter, as we said, and also sort of weaving where you're from through your work is something that's that's always been kind of inherent to, to, to your writing. So talk to me about where did Belfast Girls come from? And was there an awful lot of research? Because you're talking about research in the 1850s, life mm-hmm. in Ireland, also mm-hmm. life in Australia. What was being told to these people to get them on the ships? What was happening when they got off the ships? What happened on board? There's so much going on. So was there a mm-hmm. lot of research? Oh, tons of research. Um, I tend to like uh, diving in quite deep into, you know, the subjects that I'm going to be writing about. And in a way, it's a sort of safety net because you know that everything you say and do is sort of factually correct. You know, you can't you can't be pulled up on things kind of thing. And in and also in the research, um, a lot of the ideas and the material just comes it just you know it just pops out so the root of it is the root of Belfast Girls is that um, I had actually been working on another play um, called Leopoldville which again is based on a terrible crime Mm. that happened in Dundalk in uh, 1990 and I was very involved with that it had won uh, a prize it was on in London and I was involved in the rehearsals of that and it was it's very male it's about an all-male bunch of guys who commit this crime um and it was very i just felt i don't know in a really heavy male atmosphere for about six weeks and i thought to my the thought occurred to me i am going to write an all-female piece (laughs) and i didn't see too many around you know there wasn't a lot then you're talking about 2011 um, there's much more now. And I thought, but I didn't know what this piece was going to be about. I just thought I'm after a female story. Um, so that was the root of it. And I suppose because I'd come out of that, the energy of Leopoldville, which is really quite violent um, and dark and very strong. It's quite a strong story. That tipped into the story then that I was looking for for these all female characters I always think that those two plays are sister like brother sister plays um so I was looking for looking for this idea and at the time we're in the Irish recession um and the banking crisis and paying all the bondholders all this money and you know I think we paid Ireland paid 64 billion something like that um, and on the radio, you would hear things like people being evicted, young people going to Australia. This was every day. Um, and the words, the famine kept coming up. And mm. I thought, mm, this is interesting. So I just started to Google and I saw one of my own, um, my, a name, Mar- I think it was Margaret McCarrick, was on this ship in which obviously that 
to, uh, you know, it sort of grabbed my attention. Mm. It was on this ship um, sailing, bringing all these girls called orphan girls to Australia from Ireland. And I thought, who are these orphan girls? So then I discovered the story of the orphan girls. And I thought, well, that's my story. That I'm going to do something about this. So I just kept digging and digging. Um, there wasn't a lot of material then. I got what I could. There's much more now. And, you know, there's novels and stuff being written about the same subject. But um, so basically when I heard that there was a group of these 4,000 orphan girls that left from Ireland to Australia between 1848 and, and 1851 who were very boisterous, known as the Belfast girls. That's what they were called. Mm. So it's nothing to do with dairy girls. Yeah. Everyone says, oh, is this the Belfast? No, no, it's nothing to do with it. Very different. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, when I saw that, that these were very boisterous um, and had a bit of a reputation. I thought, well, these are the ones I'm going to write yeah. about. And so that's that. So um, just did as much research as I could, lots of essay reading, uh, whatever books I could find, um, and did some weather explorations as well for the ship in the in the British Library and, you know, whatever I could do. You see, I, I love that. that sort of stuff when you go yeah. on a, and you go down rabbit holes. Yeah, I went down it, a rabbit hole. And it really feeds into it. And it does, It's yeah. so interesting that you bring up as well the famine and the, the recession and everything because it's so part of our makeup, I think, mm-hmm. even all of these years later. And mm-hmm. and I think the themes as well in the, in this story are so, so relevant today, even though it is set in the 1850. Yeah. Uh, what is happening to these girls on board the ship, uh, everything that's kind of happening in that sort of confined space and all the different people that are in there in that mix you know, it's such an interesting story and it's going Thank to make for, for a hugely fantastic experience for an audience. But talk to me about teaming up with Quintessence Theatre, who I I love them. I absolutely love mm-hmm. these guys. I think this is such a perfect collaboration with the two. Yeah, I mean, um, I've seen that Albert Cashier piece. I thought it was fantastic. I'd met Anna before. Even people had always told me about quintessence. I'd often been, you know, working in London, so I didn't always get a chance to see their stuff, but I knew a lot about them. Um, and I think this play, particularly Belfast Girls, um, has something about it that lends itself to a physical yes. interpretation. And I think that's something to do, I mean, this has just occurred to me right now, but I think that's something to do with the fact that it is a confined space, mm. the boat. So to burst it out or to bring it alive, you need something physical, you know. So so in the the Swedish production, for instance, was quite physical, and I think that was which I saw in um, in uh, 2019. And I thought to myself when I saw that because I'd seen other very text based um, productions, I thought this is really this is a better approach really because it lifts the text out of um, being very confined in this space. So quintessence will definitely do that in there. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be beautiful. Um, Anna's ideas are beautiful. And, um, you know, I've met the cast and we did the first day of reading. They're all fantastic. It's perfectly cast. So, um, and yeah. do you, do, when you relinquish control, because as a writer, you know, who doesn't direct it, relinquishing mm-hmm. control of your baby is difficult. Is that challenging? And then when you see, obviously, the first reading, are you comforted then? Well, 
you have to relinquish control because this thing's going to be done one hopes when you're dead. Yes. So true. there is absolutely no point getting panicky about it. You know, you really have to relinquish relinquish control. And the first early productions of it, um, I would, you know, and, and even now I'll talk to directors and they'll get a sense of what I think has worked um, in the past and where I think certain things should go and it's things like that. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, I know there's this whole thing with Beckett, the likes of Beckett, you know, don't, don't change a word. You've oh, got yeah, to do yeah. things there. And I love Beckett, but I tend not to be um, that kind of writer. I'm not saying say what you like. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Um, but you have to have some room for, um, uh, Other you know, exactly ideas, collaboration. Yeah. You've yeah. got to re- leave room for that. Everybody trains. Everyone goes to college and studies this art form. So they're going to have ideas, you know. Absolutely. So coming to Anton at the end of the month, what are you hoping that audiences take away from Belfast Girls? Um, Somebody asked me this before and I answered, I don't, you know, that's up to them. But I thought afterwards, I thought that's really sort of selfish response. Take away what you like. (laughs) So I don't really mean it like that. I would hope that you, you know, that you, 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 first of all, you're, you're grabbed by these characters and their stories and you feel empathy for them. And then you'll take that empathy into your life, um, you know, so that you're not anti-immigrant or Mm. you're, you're more sympathetic to people who, you know, are uh, arriving on your shores from very difficult circumstances. So, and in other ways as well. So that's, I suppose, the ideal of any kind of art form that it, it, um, makes the the person who uh, is receives it um, opens their heart and minds a little bit. And there's a great playwright that I really love called Edward Bond, and he says, um, "What's the role of the playwright?" And his answer is to create the just society. And I think, yeah, that's a lot to put on someone's shoulders. But there's an element of that that I totally agree with. You know, that if we can try and contribute to um, you know, just help helping helping humanity a little bit. That's that's a good thing. So if the audience comes away with open hearts and minds and a sense of beauty, I am very happy. And I no doubt that they will, Jackie. It's been wonderful chatting. The time has gone all too quickly, but thank, thank you so you. much for joining me today. Belfast Girls, it's going to be in Anton Art Centre, 25th to the 27th of January. Get your tickets now. It's going to sell out on thon.ie. The 11 to 1 show. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy-efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 On this day, 2021, the first Oxford AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine was given to the general public with 82-year-old Brian Pinker in the UK, the first to be jabbed. And today is Tom Tom Day, little Tom Tom. And it goes all the way back to Connecticut in 1838. And uh, a fella called Charles Charles Stratton, who was a relatively large baby and grew normally for the first six months of his life until he suddenly stopped growing. So that's where the history of Tom Tom comes from. 
LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Still to come, revitalising our home. Chloe Litchfield is going to be with us with lots of declutter tips and advice. The 11 to 1 show. Stop the performance. Somebody is on their laptop. One celebrity was less than impressed at being interrupted during his performance. More details on this after Kygo. Kygo, Whitney Houston, Higher Love on LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here with you. To be or not to be, that is the question. Hang on a minute. Somebody's on a laptop. Yeah, this is exactly what happened to Fleabag star Andrew Scott. He stopped mid-soliloquy, like the middle of Hamlet's. You know, like most important soliloquy. You know, big, big production. And uh, he apparently, this happened in London. Thank God it didn't happen over here. And uh, Andrew Scott stopped the performance because... Um, there was some guy in the audience, not on his phone, on his laptop. Sorry, what? Who brings a laptop to the theatre, first of all? Secondly, oh, I'll just like, you know, answer some emails while someone's on the stage. So he stopped the performance. He was like, no way. He says uh, he was talking to about this on a podcast recently and he says, um, I was in the middle of this to be or not to be and he said uh, the mystery guy was uh, he reckoned sending emails so he says I started I, I stopped and uh, the stage team were like get on with it and uh, he says no there's no way I stopped for absolutely ages until somebody beside him was like dude they are stopping this whole performance because you're there click clacking away on your laptop seriously people I have heard this happen as well not just laptops but you know phones ringing incessantly in theatre and the actors on stage just stopping performances that's happened here locally as well yeah and I don't blame them I agree with them they've gone out of their way to bring you this amazing production and you're there with your phone still on come on people it's like the rule one of one uh, when you go into a theatre turn off that phone you know turn it off you're going to be in the theatre you're going to immerse yourself in the performance you do not need your phone on and you definitely don't need to be taking out your laptop anyway let's see what else is happening in the world of showbiz The Buzz on LMFM keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app Hi I'm Max Kygo has teased brand new music he posted this on his socials last night Jessica Lang is back in the Ryan Murphy-verse for Feud Season 2. The executive producer announced weeks ago his longtime news for a role in Feud, Capote vs. The Swans, which chronicles the spectacular strife between writer Truman Capote and his so-named Swans of New York High Society. Lang's role in Season 2 has yet to be revealed, but she previously starred in Feud Season 1 as Joan Crawford, opposite Susan Sarandon as Betty Davis. Tyler revealed to the BBC that she 
almost didn't release her hit Water. Here's what she said. I'm also very hard on myself. I'm a perfectionist. So randomly, like sometimes thoughts would creep in. But I mean, in general, like I always had a feeling that this was going to happen one day. Even for Water, I didn't even want that version to come out. I was like, no, like I don't like the way it sounds. We have to fix it. And everyone was like, we have to release it now or else we won't release it for the summer and we ended up releasing it and it literally blew up. That's The Buzz. I'm Max. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Ah, it's good to know that celebs and famous people who are very talented also have that little voice that goes, oh, is that good enough? A little bit of imposter syndrome there. More Buzz with Eddie Caffrey a little bit later on. Now back to the music. Here's Dido. There's Dido with thank you. Now we are all living with far too much stuff and no doubt in your house you're looking at a cupboard that's crammed, that you're jamming it closed. Well, if you would like to declutter in the new year, help is at hand. We're going to be chatting to Chloe Litchfield from Revitalise Your Home next. The 11 to 1 show. We are all living with far too much stuff and no doubt we are all cramming this stuff into drawers, wardrobes and overflowing cupboards. But out of sight, out of mind, right? Well, wrong, because did you know a cluttered home can have a big impact on your mental health? And if you're sick of messy cluttered cupboards around the house, then the new year is the perfect time for a declutter. And I am joined by just the lady to help. She set up Revitalise Your Home, a decluttering and personal, uh, professional organising service. And she is determined to help people create tidier, safer, calmer living spaces. Chloe Litchfield, it is so good to have you back on 11 to 1. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Sinead. Thanks so much for having me back. How's things? I'm doing great. I'm fantastic now that you're here to help us declutter remind me though you're about a year in business yes. which I can't believe it's it's been a year at this stage but tell us how did the business revitalise your home come about yes thank you yeah so I'm a year this like this week I'm actually a year um, you know just when you said it there I was thinking God it has been a year already um, so revitalise your home came about just over a year well the idea was there a good few years now but um I was basically working in a nine to five busy job and, you know, there was a few elements there. One part of it was I, you know, you're working, you're busy. Then when you're done work, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you have the kids, you have everything else on top of things. And I just found that my home started to affect my own mental health, my Mm. own like productivity, even in work, my friendships, my relationships, the effects I can have on you you know, is huge, um, the env- your environment around you. So, yeah, at that point, I kind of wanted to change the space for myself. So I started doing courses, learning new skills, different things for myself at the start of it. And then I realised when I got chatting to people that I realised a lot of us feel this way as well. Um, and yeah, then I suppose the idea of the business then started from there. And, and we're here today. Plunge, <laughs> took the plunge, yeah, yeah, left the job and... It's brilliant having looked back and, you know, the best part is just, you know, when you help those clients like at the end and to see how you can change their life, really. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and judging from some of the testimonials on, on your website, that's been mm-hmm. a big, big thing. Is it a sense of relief and kind of a weight being lifted from people when they, they have this experience with yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of clients always say that, you know, it is like a weight lifted a relief. It's like they've been... They can, they're just, I suppose, more open in themselves. They're free. They don't have that weight over them. But the most important part is they're able to do the things that they actually want to do. Yeah. You know, we're always going to have to cook and clean and drop the kids to school and different things like that. 
But we want to be able to spend quality time with our kids. We want to have that time in our evenings for ourselves to have a breather after you've had a busy day at work and, you know, you've walked in the door and there's just toys all over the floor. We want to be able to sit. We want to be able to invite our family over for dinner. We Like, those are the things we really want to do. And that's the whole aim of what I'm doing with Revitalise Your Home. It's how do we organise and declutter Hey, what systems do we need to put in place so you can do the things you want to do? You know, and, and is it is the main thing with us that we have too much stuff, and not only that, we have too much stuff that we kind of cling to a little bit. A lot of emotion tied up with it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I suppose one side of it is having too much stuff. It can be hard to let go of things. You know, we all have different attachments. It could be like the sentimental side, yep. as you said. A loved one could have passed away. It could be their belongings. You could remember that I paid 50 euro for that <laughs> back in the day. And do you know what 50 euros <laughs> work today? I'm not letting go of that. So there's so many different elements. Um, and it is, you know, it's not an easy... For some people, it's no problem. They can just declutter everything. And yeah. other people, it's more difficult. Um, but that's absolutely fine. You know, where however you feel about your items, I obviously help you through that. But... Um, too much stuff and then I suppose the, the lack of the, the systems and the organising in your home. It's you know, you could have not many items but your house can still be chaotic because yeah. they're not where they need to be. They're not working for you and your routines or you just don't have great storage solutions. Oh well, that's a big one. I'm going to circle back to that one in a minute because uh, you've just told me as well that a development in the business which I think people are going to be really really interested in. This is a new way that you're kind of, you're incorporating into the business. You're dealing an awful lot with uh, mums specifically but also you're creating safe spaces for kids that have additional needs through the decluttering and organisation. Tell me about this. Yeah, exactly. So um, within the business, so the professional organising decluttering business of course, it can help many people, but the focus that I'm now going in on is on those mums. So the mums, their mental health, their their own, you know, mums themselves, but also then as well their kids um, that have maybe ADHD, autism, ASD, whatever, you know, uh, dyslexia, things like that. So the focus is on creating a safe space for that child. So if your child has ADHD, they're not going to think the same as a child that has autism yeah. or a child that maybe doesn't have any neurodiversities. Um, and we can't expect a child that has ADHD to feel comfortable and to feel not stimulated in a space that a child would feel if they didn't have neurodiversity. So um, that's the focus I'm going on, working with a lot of parents that have ADHD and children and setting up your home so that it's those safe you. spaces are there for everyone. Yeah, that's really, really interesting because that's something that, uh, you know, I've been interested in as well myself, like and things like, say, people who um, might have different neurodivergencies, uh, they have messy spaces sometimes Mm -hmm. and that can add to the chaotic kind of mindset. But asking that person to clean up is like asking someone to climb Mount Everest. That's a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it is. Absolutely. And, And the thing is, they can't, you know. Someone with ADHD, their brain doesn't think the same mm. as, you know, someone who doesn't have a neurodiversity. So, yeah, asking them to clean up is not going to work. But when that person has a space that is tidy, that is organised, that is labelled, yes. that is, you know, those like, and it could be something so small as a label, yep. as having, you know, sections and different things. But that will really help that person and their mind. And believe it or not, they actually will be able to keep up with it. So a lot of clients that I've worked with, 
that have ADHD, when I've changed their space, then they've actually been able to keep up with it. It hasn't went back to the way it was. Fantastic. Um, and it really helps their, you know, their life, their, yeah. their life and themselves yeah. as a person. Um, do you know, because as you know, people that have ADHD, even simple things like they love to make lists, like they'd have books and books of yeah. lists of things they need to do and everything. So it's small things and it's tackling all of those with that person just yeah. to create, you know, so they can have a better life, really. That's fantastic. And it's great that you're diversing in that way. Uh, I'm loving this message coming in on 086 800 658. I'm on it. I have all the windows and doors open. I'm going to do a massive clean out <laughs> today is in inverted commas. That's coming in. Uh, who's that coming in from? Martina. In, I think she's in the, the Mornington area there. Thank you so much for sending that in. We're loving that. Now, this time of the year, a lot of people will be taking down the decorations at the weekend. A lot of people leave them up kind of around till the 6th. Now this is a great one for decluttering because as we speak I will bet you that people are firing baubles into a box or a bag. They are wrapping up that tree and God only knows what. Talk to us about yeah. <laughs> organising this properly. Yeah, my favourite time of year. I love it. Um, do not one thing I'll say first is think of your future self. So oh, yeah. think of yourself next, next Christmas <laughs> when you open that box and you have not a clue what's going on. So think of yourself and do this for you. Um, but yeah, so starting off, you know, the main thing is you don't need to go and buy fancy boxes. You mm. don't need to buy a lot. You can reuse what you have. But the important thing is to, of course, separate everything. Yeah. So if you can, if you have a big house, you know, you could put your kitchen decorations in one box, your sitting room decorations in another box. I don't know about you, but when Christmas comes and you're taking in decorations, I just say to myself, where like, yeah, where did what, that go last yeah, year? where was it? Yeah. And I actually took a picture this year oh, of my it. house. Yeah. And I took a picture when it was back to normal because when I was putting the decorations away, Yesterday I was saying to myself, where my house is so empty, where does everything go? Yes. So yeah, the picture's handy. But yeah, boxes to separate your things so you can separate your decorations, your garlands, your wreaths. And so yeah, the separation is key. Now, I we were talking about the, yeah. the, the Christmas boxes. tree yeah, bag the Christmas and the boxes. Bag. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you have your Christmas tree box and it's fine, it's not battered, it doesn't have a hundred <laughs> layers of cell tape on it. Well done to you. That's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play, no problem. But there is, you know, there's bags that you can get which are yeah. quite affordable and um, you can get them online or even in a few local shops around Loud. they're less than 20 quid. Yeah. They're brilliant and they look like, you know, like a gear bag yeah. or something like yeah. that. They're, they're brilliant. Yeah, they yeah. are brilliant. So, yeah, you can use that for your tree um, you can also get these boxes which I love um, again you can buy them online or I saw them in the local shops as well um, but you put your baubles in them so they have they hold 64 now you could probably get bigger or smaller but yeah. they hold a lot of your baubles and they all have their little sections to pop them into you can make the section for the bauble bigger or smaller depending oh, on what good. you have so it's brilliant and again if you have a big clear box and you want to put all your bubbles into that, that's fine. You don't need, you know, the fancy storage that has the boxes, but it is affordable and it is good and you'll thank yourself next year when you're just carrying down that one little box and then they're not banging against each other they're not yeah. going to break you know you don't need to wrap them um, you know if they're expensive or if they're sentimental so that's brilliant as well another tip is with your lights um, oh yeah the, the dreaded lights the tangling up of everything yeah, yes yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah don't just wrap them all up I saw like a reel or a video somewhere and the woman was taking them off the tree like just wrapping them I couldn't walk the video <laughs> she's actually shuddering <laughs> no I am <laughs> um, but what you can do is use a hanger 
Oh. Or you could use a Pringles, an empty Pringles, which I'm sure there's loads of them floating around. Oh, tell us so the Pringles, the Pringles working? tin. Yeah. So you can pop your plug. Yeah. The plug goes into the tin. Yeah. And then you just wrap your lights around it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah. So, so simple. No, well. not going to yeah. break. And it sounds so simple. But you could do that um, or the hanger is good as well. And then do label as well because you probably yeah. have different lights. So stick a label or get a marker and just write on it three lights, yeah. 500, whatever colour they are. Because we all know when the next year comes, we forget what yeah. they are. If you're like me, I'm like, I don't know how many they are or what colour they are or where they belong. So just a little label, write it and um, stick it on. And then the same with your outside lights or whatever light you have. Just label everything so you know next year um, and it's not going to be chaotic. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's a fantastic one. Now, this is also a time of the year as well that people can be looking around the house and kind of visualising their space because your space is back to kind of what it was and you can recognise different problems and things like that. And for me, when I'm taking down decorations, I'm like, oh, I'm not putting that thing now back there where that was. Mm-hmm. You can sort of declutter. And, and, and again, clear clear spaces, clear windowsills, clear yeah. lines. That's going to do massive help for you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And even when you mentioned that, you know, when you are putting your Christmas decorations away, if there is any broken baubles, if there is any anything broken or anything maybe you don't love anymore, now is the time to donate them. So don't pack them away. You know, mm. keep them out. Ask your friends and family, do they want any? Or bring to your local charity shop. Um, you know, the local charity shops are looking for donations um, and then you're helping someone else, you know, because I, I know you can, some people might have the mindset saying, oh, I'm kind of, I don't want to get rid of it. You're not getting rid of something. You are editing it out of your home. You yes. are passing it on to someone else. That's You've used it. it. Yeah. You've loved it. And now the time is up um, and you're going to pass it on to someone else. But yeah, brilliant time. And then even when you're putting your stuff back up, have a look around. Are you happy with how everything is? Do you need to edit anything out of your home? And yeah, just have that quick scan and it can just be a few minutes. It doesn't need to be a day or a week yeah. off work. Just a few minutes. That's all it takes. Yeah. And and it's about starting small as well, isn't it? Like, you know, I saw a great thing uh, actually on Instagram. Somebody had up and it was like, a, you know, sort of a January board. And mm. it was like, OK, today it's a self-care day. Tomorrow I'm cleaning out that drawer. You know, and there was different tasks. Yeah. In January. And I thought that was very clever. So yeah. it could just be that drawer that we all have, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And even to throw it in on. On my Instagram and Facebook page, it's actually also on the website. I done a revitalize your home in thirty days challenge for oh, September. Very good. Um, so each day you have a different item or area of your home to declutter and organize. So if anyone wants to go on and use that for this month, yes, um, yeah. I know it's the thirty days, but if you want to go on, you can have a look at that, and that can be your guide for the month. Um, but yeah, those. They're, they're brilliant. And it's great incentive and it's it's that keeping that motivation uh, going. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, talk to me about, right, I've got a corner cupboard in my house where the saucepans, the frying pans and tubware goes. It does not matter how many times I clean this out. It is a disaster zone. You know the ones as well that the, so the cupboard doesn't come fully mm. out. So that's another nightmare. What can I do in this space? Because I'd say there's lots of people with that problem. Yeah, so from what you've just mentioned that no matter how many times you sort it, it goes back. It sounds like the items that you have there, so your pots, your tubware, it's not working in that space. It okay. sounds like you need to change where your items are. Yes. Um. So corner cupboards as well, I would always recommend, depending on the space that you have, but keep them for like 
your slow cooker or your air fryer yes. or like your bigger things. I know we use air fryers every day now. Oh, but, um, it yeah, I, no, yeah no just keep it, it out. Back, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, the items that you don't use that often, but you still want, you know, yes. or maybe it's like the, the Christmas dinner set. So keep those awkward corners for the things you don't need. Um, and then like your tubbleware, like that could go close to the cooker or your fridge or where you're meal prepping, where you're doing your lunches. So maybe relocate where you have those items. But um, like tubbleware, make sure double check that you have all your lids oh, that you yes. have everything you're right Chloe I can already see the cupboard that has nothing but boxes and no lids absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but what you can do is you can even um, like make sure to separate the boxes and the lids you can get small cont- containers in local shops and you can put the lids into that container so the lids aren't Falling all around the place. place. Okay. Because the the containment is very important when you're organising. So if you just have lids, pots and pans, Tupperware, chopping boards, you have so many things in that one space. It's never, ever going to stay the way it is. So you have to contain your items in some way. So that could mean a container for the lids. It could mean a little rack to hold your saucepans. Oh, yeah. It could mean like just a bigger box to put yeah. all your all your Tupperware into but you do need to contain the space again you can reuse what you have in your house in terms of boxes but you do need to categorise or you could add like dividers you could add yeah. dividers or the little razors that you you know the, the shelf razors that you can buy but yeah it needs to be separated and, and contained but from your example I think you need to relocate your items I'm already thinking how it's yeah. a cute Sinead pulling everything out of that yeah. cupboard later on absolutely so <laughs> uh, other hacks what other tips and advice have you got for us for today then outside of what we've sort of just talked about uh, another tip I actually was thinking of is in terms of your puzzles and board games oh yeah so they're big bulky boxes now depending on the board game or the puzzle I know some people like to keep the boxes so yeah. That's fine. But where possible, buy an A3 Ziploc bag. Yeah. Put your puzzles and your jigsaws into that bag. Cut off the, the puzzle or the jigsaw, of course, because you'll, you're never going to know what the puzzle was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so cut it off and stick it onto the inside of the bag and then put your puzzle into the bag. Sip it. And then you're going to save so much space and then they can all stack beside each other. Same with your board games. Most board games come with big bulky boxes. Yeah. You don't need the half of them. You know, they've all these different yeah, yeah. layers to keep everything. So just put them into a big zip bag and cut off the front or label it what game it is if you don't need the, the picture and store them all then side by side. That and side by side huge. is key. Do yeah. not um, do put not on stack top. on top of each other because your child is going to want the one at the bottom and they're all going to fall out. So think practically. <laughs> That's a great one because yeah, so many boxes and stuff and particularly around Christmas, there's so much yeah. kind of unnecessary packaging exactly. around kids' toys, isn't there? Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Anything else? Uh, another one, not sure if I mentioned this before on, on your show with yourself, but uh, double hanging. So a lot of houses I go into, um, my clients would say, oh, I, I don't know what to do because all my dresses hang over the other rail oh, yeah, and yeah. They're hang- the dresses are hanging over the shoes and everything at the bottom. They're getting dir- dirty and stuff like that. So uh, double hang your dresses. So get put your dress on a hanger, get another hanger and then slide it 
it's very hard to describe but actually I just realised but it's Instagram. on my Instagram it is but yeah you, you double hang it so that it's not hanging down that the, the second hanger is at the bottom of the dress which yes. then holds the bottom of the dress up I know exactly um, what you're talking about because I have seen this on, yeah. your, on your Instagram that is a fantastic tip so if people want help they want support from you this is a busy time for mm-hmm. you but you, you are available for help and support how can we reach out to you absolutely yes so you can reach out via Instagram you can DM me we can have a chat or you can reach out through the form on my website um, so fill in the form and then I will contact you and what we'll do is we'll have a chat about what you're struggling with in your home how you want to feel in your home and what is it exactly that you want and then yeah we'll have a chat we'll have a phone call and we'll see if we can work together and get a plan in place Absolutely and your place and your space will be transformed and it'll mm-hmm. be all nice and calm revitalizeyourhome.com that's the website and you can also find Chloe on Instagram and Facebook I can see why you were named as Businesswoman of the Year 2023 to watch out for. <laughs> Lots of plans and continued success with Revitalize Your Home. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Nate. Thank you. The 11 to 1 show. Don't forget me on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now it's time for this. LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Gosh Energy Replace your old inefficient gas boiler with Local Heroes Visit localheroes.ie Loud and Meath Education and Training Board invites applications from suitably qualified persons for the following It's a school transport escort in the Dunchocklin area For details and applications you can check out careers.lmetb.ie And don't forget all the jobs are found on the local job section on lmfm.ie Just to note as well on that job the closing date for that one is the 8th of January LMFM Job Search with Local Heroes backed by Gosh Energy for gas boilers heat pumps and electric vehicle charge point installation visit localheroes.ie Dragon's Den is back on our screens tonight and a local man is hoping to make an impression I'm going to give you all the details after these The 11 to 1 show Looking to some TV recommendations for you and tonight Dragon's Den 8pm BBC One it's returning for its 21st series and uh, there's a new set of eager entrepreneurs and Irish design engineer Colin O'Brien from this local area is going to unveil some revolutionary products for the home and travel markets so he uh, has the innovation in laundry care it's um, called Peggy Rain it's an ingenious clothesline designed to safeguard the laundry from unexpected down pours which is fantastic and also he has this elevating suitcase mobility so it's called uh, Roll Air and it uh, redefines suitcase mobility woes so he's going to be facing the dragons tonight on BBC One the best of luck to him also coming back to our screens on RTE2 and also the player at 9.35 it's First Dates Ireland restaurant opening again and it's going to be just another fantastic series I mean it always is and uh, some will sparks fly in all directions tonight but um, all the gang and the well-known faces are back and also continuing I don't know if you've been watching this uh, but it's on Virgin Media 1 since uh, earlier on this week it's Mr Bates versus the Post Office and it continues at 9pm so this is based on the extraordinary story of the greatest miscarriage of justice in the British legal history where hundreds of innocent sub-postmasters and postmistresses were wrongly accused of theft, fraud and false accounting due to a defective IT system so this is the final part of the gripping drama Alan and his friends give evidence at the Royal Courts of Justice on behalf of their army of five 
555 sub postmasters but it's all hanging on whether nervous whistleblower Richard Roll can describe what happened behind the scenes it's fantastic if you've not been watching it I'm sure you can catch up as well on the uh, Virgin Media player Billy Ocean when the going gets tough the tough gets going we are out of here very shortly but just to let you know tomorrow I'm going to be in McGarry Tiles and Bathrooms they are located in the new park Newgate Business Park Kells Road in Navin and we're going to be checking out some fantastic styles and trends with regards to your bathroom so that is all coming up on tomorrow's show thank you so much for your company today I'll chat to you then tomorrow Listen back to the 11 to 1 show podcast on lmfm.ie or the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.